There's a lot of social platforms these days, right? It's a busy space. And I know every marketer makes a little groan of despair every time a new one's announced. Oh God, here we go again. Another place we have to create content for, another algorithm we have to learn the rules to. But We Are 8 swears that this time it's going to be different. Now we're joined today by CEO and founder Sue Fennessy, who in 2009 brought an advertising data startup to New York that was Standard Media Index or SMI. That's now obviously an advertising industry staple. So Sue knows her onions or her adverts. As for We Are 8, it's a new platform with zero tolerance for hate, an ad model designed to divert revenue to charities and climate solutions, and which promises to empower creators to share the good in life, all while letting its users earn real cash. Yeah, very well said. And the platform's clearly serious with investment from Channel 4 and Rio Ferdinand already. Now, Sue's infectious personality is clear to see in this episode. It's a real joy to speak to her and and find out a little bit more about the platform, including an insight into We Are 8, which promises to tackle global problems head on and connect humans once again. We also cover what We Are 8 is doing to combat what they call the greatest fraud of our time and how the platform guarantees brands a massive 10% click-through rate. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think we've got plenty to go over. But the first thing I want to ask you is, why does We Are 8 exist? You know, Eve, we've had pretty unsocial social. We've actually had antisocial social. So look, the, the current world of social media, it's fueling climate misinformation, it's fueling isolation, loneliness, mental health. It's fueling teen suicide, you know, it's fueling suicide is the reality. And it's through the algorithms, it's taking us to our lowest common denominator and feeding and controlling us. And I'm very driven by injustice. And I I built a company in the States where we saw $117 billion last year go to Facebook. And yet 40% of all people in the US can't find $400 in an emergency. So as a person, as a citizen, I was really outraged by that injustice and thought we can solve a lot of problems by redirecting that money. But while we're there, we need systemic change because the system's broken. Look, if we don't start coming together as a collective, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. We have power when we when we come together. So yes, we want to redirect that $117 billion that's going to Facebook in ad revenue back into a billion people's pockets. But we also want to come together to make collective action really fun inspiring and easy. And if we're really going to start addressing the climate crisis in the next six years, we need to make collective action fun. You know, technology's disconnected us with ourselves, with our friends. You know, we don't even know what we're seeing anymore in our feeds. We're we're launching a friends feed next week uh, where it's going to be a pure feed of just our friends with no algorithms in it. So we'll see our friends, our real friends that have accepted each other as a friend, we'll see their stuff at the time that they post it. Look, the stuff that's come before, there were good bits, but there were really broken bits. And, you know, the, the, the homelessness mm-hmm. on the doorstep of Silicon Valley is testament to how broken everything is. It's a visual representation. Yeah, no, that's interesting. 
that feed point, Sue, is is quite intriguing, and I'm going to bring that up again later. But I mean, you've, you make some valid points there. There's a lot, I think, with the current system on social platforms that is broken. But in addressing all of them, you know, there's so many of them. Are you giving yourselves like a, a big job there? I mean, the question I want to ask you here is what do you see We Are Eight core USP being? Now, on your site, it says uh, a social media app that inspires you, is good for the planet, free from hate, puts money in your wallet, celebrates the good in life in just eight minutes. How do you define, I mean, when you're in your like sort of sales proposition modes to like brand partners, et cetera, investors, how are you defining the platform's core USP and function right now? For people, it's about reconnection. It really is, you know, reconnection with self, each other and the planet. And it's social again. You know, I, I, I think social media has divided us and people, humans, human beings. I don't want to live in the metaverse. I want to connect with my friends and go and roll in the grass and run through the dirt and hug someone. When you're re-architecting systemic things that are broken, you can't fix one without fixing everything because in the new ecosystem, mm. everyone thrives. Even brands, right, advertising has always been seen as a necessary evil by the industry. I mean, tech companies hate having to put advertising in anything, but then they get addicted to it and then the greed and everything that comes with it. So we're forced this endless thing of ads, advertising has never been seen as maybe brands could bring value. But as soon as you build a system with a mindset to share the majority of the money, then advertisers actually help us because they're valuing us for our time. They're helping us now. Every time I watch an ad, helps me pay my mobile bill. It helps me do these things. So getting money in your wallet is absolutely not the core proposition, but it's a byproduct of a healthy ecosystem. So the economic thing we need to address. And when people say, oh, no, it's not about the money, the world. Well, it is about the fucking money. You know, if, if you're struggling to get food on the table or pay your energy bills, don't tell me it's not about the money. So when things are sustainable, it's about the economic, it's about the mental health and the isolation, it's about the climate, it's about all these things, but it sort of all ladders up to reconnection. So every element that we've architected, mm. it's very simple. I come in, I get inspired by amazing content. Today's the Virgil Abloh curated takeover. It's beautiful. I get inspired by that and then I just flick through and I see my friends. So it's that in eight minutes a day, I can just feel good again and feel reconnected. And I think the funny thing is, it's not what you do. I think it's how people are going to feel. When we launch the full, fully-fledged product experience, it's how you feel when you're there. And our hope, my hope, is you just feel a bit more reconnected, a bit more awake, a bit more loved, a bit more valuable. I'll, I'll have a little bit of that soon. Yeah, it's a beautiful dream. It's a, <laughs> it is a beautiful dream. Do you think with that, I mean, Cal's going to grill you about the eight on eight thing in just a second, but do you think with that, it's possible to also have a model for yourself, this company you're founding that's profitable? I am all about sustainable business. For us, we take, essentially, we share 50% of every dollar with a citizen, 5% uh, with charity and climate carbon offset, and then 5% to a creator fund. So creators can just create again. 
I saw this amazing creator come on yesterday with time lapse uh, videography. I mean, the the creativity that is out there that's not getting surfaced finally has a home, and it's blowing my mind. In the in the old world, where users and influencers. In our world, we're citizens and creators and together we're change makers. So it's this whole different awakening to our sort of value proposition. So, yeah, we make transparently 40 cents or 40p in every pound, 40 cents in every dollar, and we are completely transparent about that. And there's really sustainable good margin. I mean, look, Facebook take all of that and don't share anything. We share the Mm. majority and it's a really healthy, sustainable ecosystem where publishers and podcasters win, where people win, where the planet wins. So yeah, I wouldn't be doing, I couldn't do this unless it was sustainable because you'd never get backing support. We covered a few of the USPs there, and, and like you say, you know, it sounds you sound so passionate about it. I want a, I want to feel how you sound. It sounds amazing. I mean, if I could have a slice <laughs> of that every morning, I'll have a bit. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned eight minutes there, and obviously the We Are Eight name. So I wanted to do a little bit of digging on that, and and I wanted wanted you to talk us through the eight on eight. So I just wanted to understand it a little bit better. Is this eight minutes a day or eight minutes per individual session? Because we're looking at some of the numbers before. I think Facebook's average time per session is about 4.82 minutes. I say about, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's very specific. Um, although people do spend nigh on 30 minutes every day on Facebook, which to me seems low. But, I mean, to be fair, I don't use Facebook that much. Yeah, but TikTok's the highest, but platforms. obviously the individual sessions are always shorter. Yeah, so you've got an individual session at 4.82 seconds. What's the eight in We Are Eight? On a macro, if we're going to go sort of spiritual for a minute, which... I am. It's about our reconnection. So, by the way, being the nerd that I am, uh, the eighth element on the chemical table is oxygen. Uh, it was really the eight, eight, it's the only number or number that is bigger than Googleplex um, and it's endless. You know, it's infinity. My dad was a pathologist actually and studied disease. And, and then when you look at the stars, the cells in our body and the patterns in the star, I mean, we're, we're all interconnected. If we believe for a minute that there was a big bang moment in the universe, like 14 billion years ago, out of nothing, there was a moment. We're all a ripple effect of that. Like 60% of our DNA is the same as a banana. Right, which I learned recently, which I could not believe. <laughs> but you know, we're not oh my God. feeling that. Like we're all connected, and we can feel it energetically. I mean, you know, someone walks in the room, and you think, "Oh, they're not feeling good," or they are feeling good. I mean, we can even feel it over, over, over this. And so, but we're disconnecting mm. from all of that magic of kind of life and plants and animals and everything. So eight is the is the infinite power of the reconnection where we're moving from a world on a philosophical level, I think we're going to move from a world of, you know, greed and scarcity and control to freedom and abundance and liberation. And you said earlier, Eve, God, that sounds like a dream. I actually think we're really close now. I think, you know, we've just spent the seven years, last seven years building the technology. And when I just kind of know it, I think we're as humans, we want to come together. 
We don't want to go and live in the metaverse. We want to go and dance in a mosh pit. So the aid is about the reconnection. Yes, spend eight minutes here, get inspired by some amazing content, see the post from your friends, watch a couple of minutes of ads, pay it forward, get celebrated, and then go and live life. Is it eight minutes a day then, Sue, or is it eight minutes per well, it session? it doesn't shop you off at the moment. On the stage, so there's two feeds that run parallel. One is the eight stage where we can follow creators and people and have a curated experience. Then we have our friends feed is where where friends are going to be. We've actually just been discussing a cutoff there, Callum. We were thinking you know, we should really have a cutoff on the friend's feed as well that actually chops us off and says, just right now, go and tell someone you love them. (laughs) Right now. Yeah, like that's enough scrolling. You're all caught up. What I'm interested in is, I think when we first spoke to you guys, it was something to do with, um, probably more related to the uh, ad model as well, but also the time spent there, whereby, you know, if you want to, if I'm a user and I want to get money in the wallet, uh, in my wallet from engaging with content on the platform and watching the ads, if I stay on for six minutes and then I hop off and then come back on, is all my progress lost for me to then earn that? Or is it like eight solid minutes without a break? Not at all. You can watch the ads when and where you want. So what we've done is we've now got a full social experience, which is is an evolution. So on the eighth stage, you could come in and just be, for example, today, seeing the Virgil Abloh tribute, going through that and discovering the content without watching ads. If you decide that you just want to watch one ad, then you can watch that, watch the ad, answer a couple of questions. You basically tap on that little yellow bar there. So I could be scrolling through the content and just have the entertainment experience. I could scroll through my friend's feed and just see my friends and not watch any ads. I could, at a moment that suits me, tap on that little yellow bar and watch the ad. If I watch one 30-second ad, answer a couple of questions, I've completed that one. This is the thing about control versus freedom. No one should be telling me when to watch my ads because, by the way, it doesn't work if we're interrupted. If we're valued and it's watch them when you want and you get something out of it and it's how we change the world, okay, 98% of people now are happy to watch ads and they watch them when they want. On your terms, yeah. I think that's that's the big thing. It's, it's on your terms rather than being forced down down your throat, so yeah. to speak. Now, we've covered, uh, I think we've covered quite a lot already in kind of like 20 minutes or so. But everything seems so positive at the minute, which is great. So I wanted to kind of cover some of the more hard-hitting stuff and try to think of uh, ways in which we could do this. And we actually spoke to a lady called Claire Hardacre. Doctor. Uh, is it Doctor? That doctor Sorry, Doctor Claire yes. Hardacre. Who's, <laughs> she's a professor at Lancaster University and she researches trolling. It was a great mm. episode and we learned so much. We knew it existed on social, but we learned so much. It opened our eyes into how much actually goes on. Now, we know social comes with hate. It's it's human nature that people are going to, you know, spout whatever they want to spout. So there's a plan, right, at We Are Eight to try and keep hate off the platform in the long term. And this sounds great, but what features and what functions have been implemented here from your side? I'm equally obsessed with this, by the way. It still blows me away. One of the uh, footballers told me last week they received 400 death threats, physical death threats. His family also received death threats. It's, I mean, it mm. is shocking, right, what we're seeing. Firstly, it's a commitment to zero tolerance. Second thing is 
uh, where eliminating, you can't be anonymous. So anonymity is a big thing. So we're refining all of the onboarding, the links that everything we've done is to really ensure you can't be anonymous. Third thing is AI. We've got an amazing AI team. Moderation, and that's manual moderation built at scale, and that's of profiles, posts, and comments. And then we've got community reporting. So there are levels. Uh, there are many levels. There's also things going to six buckets. So some things are absolutely no go. Like I fucking hate you. Or someone said on one of Rio's posts the other day at Sue Fen- tweets. He they posted on a tweet at Sue Fennessy go and die. Like by the way, it feels really shit. So that is <laughs> you're off our platform. Sorry, you just and it links to mobile number. There's all these yeah. levels of checks. So. Look, we will get things wrong. Things will slip through. We've got a, an immediate turn off comments button. We've got ways to, because we're committed on the other side of that to helping feel really, really loved and valued. I think one of the things that we spoke about with Claire, for example, was a bit of the like how platforms traditionally facilitate them. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, like the way to get engagement is through like provoking extreme emotions. So that's something that really comes into play. And I have to say, just listening to you then talk through the kind of tools you're implementing, it's very positive to hear that while you're utilizing that sophisticated AI, there's also human input. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you quite a hard question because it is a hard subject. And I'll preface it by saying that I admire the initiative and the effort and the intentions 100%. But where, you know, current platforms have really run into trouble here is defining hate speech versus free speech. Now, I know in my mind what I define as hate speech because I know my own moral beliefs, my own political leanings, etc. But where those lines get blurry, uh, where they where we start to have differences in opinion and where you have to make a pretty hard call on human nature. I mean, for example, Facebook, one of its famous controversial quotes was, we can't be arbiters of truth when talking about misinformation. They, you know, were very much, they can't take a political side because they've got, uh, you know, investors from everywhere. Is your platform sort of liberated from that uh, in the sense that you're happy, a bit more like Twitter, happy to take a political side so you know where to draw your line? And if not, how are you navigating this? Firstly, we don't take political party advertising. So our ad model is so strong and works so well. We're not taking any political party advertising. The second thing is the platforms purposefully hide behind freedom of speech. Hate speech and freedom of speech are completely different things. And hate speech is Mm -hmm. very clear. It's actually very clear. There is some grey, but intention of things is, is even very clear. So we've defined that. There's a whole lot of buckets of things we put things in and we're just saying zero tolerance to here. You've got to have fun. You've got to feel expressive. We have to disagree. A healthy, the irony is they say we're fueling freedom of speech, but they're actually having no civic responsibility whatsoever. If you were being a responsible civic construct, you'd be sharing the majority of the money, not fueling climate misinformation, not fueling political outcomes. So it's, it's, they control and skew and a good social platform will have civic responsibility. And so it's actually, Eve, 
much easier than you think. I mean, with even the ads, I could get an ad and I could say, no, thank you, or yes, bring it on. I mean, we don't accept money from oil companies, political parties, a whole lot, right? More than any TV ad network. But beyond that, we don't want to judge. We want to leave it up to Callum and Eve to decide, okay, I'll accept money from them or not, right? So we want to leave it to you. We want you to feel the power of your voice. We want really healthy, good conversation. But we didn't used to work, walk into a room and just abuse people. That's not good. There's enough of the world that's like that. We've always said it's the kind of thing sometimes that you just wouldn't say to someone right? on the street. Like there's that sort of... I don't know, there's something in place, like a, a conscious moral morality that just stops you from acting that way in real life. But yeah, something about uh, hiding behind a screen, isn't it? It's hiding behind freedom of speech, but actually fueling hate speech. It's, mm. It disgusts me mm. that they take the holy high ground of, oh, we'd be, we'd be destroying freedom of speech. Well, what about taking responsibility for all of that other civic duty that you have as a as a platform so so look i we're gonna we've had a stab we've drawn the line and then we're leaving the rest up to people but what's there's a subtlety in on the eight on eight every day it's tied into the algorithms right because algorithms divide us and make us angry they do that's how they're built when you elevate someone to come together around a David Bowie tribute or a Virgil Abloh tribute or a thematic today's love or cats or this or whatever, we're actually elevating people to unite around something because there's actually a lot more that unites us than divides us. It's just we're not pulled together in a construct that does that. So that's powerful on the, the architecture of the eight stage. And the other thing with friends is we only see each other if we both accept each other, if I accept your invite as friends, then we see each other. Otherwise, we don't. And so if people start hating on me and they're my friends, I either hide them or delete them as a friend. And if it's really awful, then they're taken off the platform. No, I think that sounds um, that sounds really positive. And I want to I want to just follow a thread of thought that you touched on there um, and take it towards that engagement side of things. So whereas on the current platforms, a lot of it relies on it evoking those really intense emotions, you know, whether that's like anger, shock or joy, etc. Um, but the first time we spoke to you guys, you guys said the kind of engagement on other platforms right now isn't that great. And you want your model to improve brand engagement rates. So I want to know what drives people to engage on we are eight on the ad piece by the way we've got huge engagement we only launched the friends feed next week but we were doing it with testing groups with large testing groups like ten thousand. this is how i want to see my friends i want to see my friends stuff when they post in the most beautiful way possible in a home base that's hate free and where i can tap out and support them and the curated eight minutes around themes all the early data is showing us that it makes people feel really inspired. You know, the irony of you saying, yeah, we want to wake up. My goal is to have people wake up and think, oh, my God, where's it going to take me today? Where's that? So for that moment, I can come onto the eighth stage. I get inspired because there's a new twist on a way of looking at life. We're doing some fun things with collective action that are going to be really, we're making collective action fun and easy. And then I see my friends. So 
and we don't want you scrolling for 90 minutes. That's the old world. So it's that, do I think it's possible to keep people inspired and feel loved for eight minutes? Yes, but let's just see how you feel. In When it's all fully running, in two months' time, come back and tell me if I've done a good job or not, Eve. All right, deal. On, on the platform right now, Sue, who's, who's posting right now then? Obviously, you mentioned the testing groups you've got. Who's on right now? What content can we find? And then what are you finding performing the best right now then? Yeah, part of our, as we move from this world of just influences and there's a tone about the stuff right now. Part of our job in the in the eighth stage where you follow people is to uncover creators that you don't know exist. So we've got incredible Premier League players, artists, actors, Shepherd Fairey, who did the Obama Hope image and it does, is amazing street artist, amazing artist actually. But we've got so many incredible people but it's equally as beautiful for me seeing all of these incredible grassroots creators bubble up, great podcasts mm-hmm. like yourselves. I mean, it's surfacing things that we're not seeing today. It's really hard to discover today. So, you know, I, I want to see all my friends here because I want to see my friends' stuff when they post. So uh, we're starting this big don't you want to see your friends like this where you come together to change the world with your friends? So you can tweet on Twitter, dance on TikTok, change the world on aid. But it's the it's the rediscovery piece from the creator side that, as I said, you know, the time-lapse creator, the we're getting quirky food. We did a Tokyo takeover that gave us a whole new look at Tokyo. We've got, we did a Berlin takeover that, you know, gave us a unique look at Berlin and we've never had curated social. And by curating the best creators around a theme every day, it anchors it in a in an entirely different way. And I think that's just going to get better and better and better, honestly, because other creators also want to collaborate. So even the really big creators want to take us in and help us discover all of these up-and-coming artists that they love. If today's social was looking in the mirror, our social is looking out the window. There's this kind of air of innocence about about the early days of social more so think about twitter when twitter came on the scene it was oh wow i can see what my mates are doing it in real time it's like what's happening in the world but you still get it's just like so much negativity that comes with it's all evolved into and i completely agree negative spirals and you know i i think at the start of this year i definitely took steps to try and rein myself back in off social even though i work in it i need to be on it etc you know what Mm. it is like the the inspiration side of things why i actually like pinterest so much at the minute is because i really what you said there so really resonates with me that looking in the mirror versus looking out the window i do find myself i don't know if it's because we work it as well we're like even more exposed mm. find myself having to work harder and harder every time I go on to find or seek out those bits that are still inspiring me that are still novel do you know what I mean like positive so I do mm. understand that completely yeah totally and actually Jack Dorsey when you talk about Twitter I love Jack Dorsey I believe his intention was so good it's it, the challenge is when you get VCs and bank I mean look the challenge the anonymity, the bots, the ad model isn't quite right and there's now fueling a lot of hate that then fuels mm-hmm. the ad model. But I, by the way, 
I've never been part of a coordinated action with a hundred million other people. Remember when we did the, you know, clap for the NHS workers or do this? Imagine because there's no civic responsibility, we've got a situation where teachers and nurses uh, you know, feel almost the need to go to a food bank. Like we're right on that cusp of we're not looking after those that are, are, are looking after our children and our society. And so mm. we need construct where where all this is being championed. But imagine when we're taking a funny collective action every day where it's do something and then dance down the street. <laughs> I know I sound crazy, but we're going to start seeing each other, we're going to start coming together in a way that we've never had before. And that is bound to be fun. I mean, a big part of that collective action is the climate change angle, right? Yeah. And because you've said no questions are off limits, I'm going to ask the hard questions here. Go for it. How exactly is your app slash ad model better for the planet than your competitors? First thing, not fueling climate misinformation. So you get verified as a creator. So we don't curate or support climate misinformation, what we consider climate misinformation. So to your point earlier, we have a point of view there. Um, What we can't stop is if I think a certain thing about the climate and I want to share it with my friends, we can't stop that if it's in a closed group. But we can help educate people constantly on the eight-stage takeovers because then that does get into freedom of speech, right? So we do have to be careful there. Um, On the ad model piece, every time you watch, it's normally we're hit with 10,000 impressions and they hope one sticks. So there's enormous waste and carbon offset in the delivery of today's advertising and that is hugely wasteful. And then the time that we spend on social all of the content and servers around that, that's hugely wasteful too. So we deliver an ad in a much more direct way. Everything we're doing on the eight stages about, you know, inspiration, education, and we're saying get off that as well. So the way we deliver an ad has all been analysed, how much carbon is, you know, delivered. We eliminate the waste. We do carbon offset with ecology So every part, I mean, look, we're on a mission. We're obsessed with always getting better, but that's how the system works. In addition to that, it's the collective action. So David Attenborough said, we know the problem, we know the solution, we just need collective action. So, you know, you need your recycle, you know, your coffee cup like this. But the reality is if petroleum companies keep making plastics and selling it down the chain so that Coca-Cola keep putting it in plastic bottles, that's wrong. But if 100 million people, if 500 million people say, Shell, can you stop making plastic as a byproduct? They'll start listening. So it's the people power getting to the source that will help us do the right thing. So it's the power of collective action. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. I like that sort of one of my biggest pet peeves, I think, on this topic is putting the onus on the individual consumer saying, 
you know, use paper straws mm. when, you know, big energy firms, oil companies like massive corporations are still acting as they always have done. A point on the carbon offsetting, I was reading an article on Greenpeace and I'm going to get ahead of your critics here, I think, and give you an opportunity to talk a bit about it. Greenpeace says carbon offsetting plans are essentially PR plans mm. uh, and sometimes offsetting schemes can provide uh, a good story that lets companies swerve away from taking meaningful action uh, and making fossil fuels more palatable to eco-conscious consumers. Mm. What do you have to say about that? Well, firstly, we don't take advertising from oil companies. Unlike any other media channel, everyone else takes their advertising. I don't because, by the way, ads on eight really work. So I don't want to give them a louder voice to tell to greenwash. I think they're absolutely right, by the way, and I love Greenpeace. I think the problem with playing the blame game is we need everyone to get better, right? They're absolutely right in what they say. And there's a lot of greenwashing and everyone's trying to get their head around carbon reduction or removal or all of that. But there's a lot of greenwashing happening because they don't know how to do it in a way that doesn't affect their profits. The reality is if you're, look at Patagonia, mm. if you're more committed, I would buy Patagonia anything. I'd buy Patagonia air, actually. That's how <laughs> much I love. Everyone loves them, right? They missed a trick there, right? Aren't they? <laughs> But it's, you know, they're right. It's just we can't be angry anymore. I am angry. Eve, I spent years angry inside, believe it or not, because I'm a big optimist. But I'm outraged at the injustice. I'm outraged at the climate misinformation. I'm outraged about everything that's broken. I'm outraged that brands aren't doing enough fast enough. But if we blame people then people don't move. So we've got to bring mm. everyone in the tent. We've got to say, actually, that's a bit shit. Get better. We've got to say, oil companies, here's this. Here's a billion signatures out of 8 billion people on the planet. will be 8 billion citizens by November, by the way. Here's a billion signatures. Stop making plastic, you dickheads, but we won't say you dickheads on it. <laughs> we'll just say, please stop making plastics because plastics is a byproduct because, I mean, I occasionally go and buy a coffee, which I can't because now I feel too guilty, with the plastic lid. But while they keep making it and selling, 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 so it ends up in my yeah. cup, we'll keep buying, right? But we don't want to feel guilty. So I think yeah. Greenpeace are absolutely right. I love that they're hardcore activists. The world needs hardcore activists. But then we need to bring them in the tent. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I absolutely love that uh, ethos. I think what I want to bring us on to next is, I mean, you've already told us a little bit about how you guys dish up the revenue. So 50% of all media spend goes back to people. They choose how they want to use it. Five goes to a charity uh, of the brand's choice. Is that right? Uh, and into carbon yeah. offsetting. Yeah. Now, from the sounds of this model, it seems like at the minute, and this is where I put on my uh, speaking on behalf of brands hat, uh, it seems like constant media investment is going to be vital to you keeping this up and running. So why should brands invest? What's in it for them? So it was really interesting because we have, we worked with behavioral scientists for years. And the one question we asked ourselves was, is it possible to deliver a brand video in a way that guarantees attention, but leaves Callum and Eve feeling really 
loved and valued and rewarded. And that, thank God, is possible. And because people are feeling, and we obsessed about refining it. So when you watch an ad on eight, you watch it on your terms. You tap that little yellow button when you want. You get the opportunity to accept it. You consciously accept it. You then watch the full video ad. Then you answer a couple of questions and then you can click through and learn more. And then 30 days later, when that little payment comes into your wallet, you can pay it forward to a charity. You can do all these, you can pay off your mobile bill and stuff. If you do, then you, then, then your friends all celebrate you. So it's like the fully completed video view that keeps on giving. Bottom line though mm. is we need responsible consumption and it has to work better. So the average engagement rate on a Facebook ad is under 1%. And that was the vulnerability in their model. Look, we've got a company. We're going to look back, I reckon, and go, that was the greatest fraud of our time. I mean, the Facebook benchmark is way down. It has been since TikTok came on the scene. I think if we assume that downward trajectory is going to follow, are you looking to, you know, platforms like TikTok, whose average engagement rate is, I think, 5.96% last time I checked, which is redonkulously high in comparison? We're doing a 10% click-through rate commitment on every campaign. So for us, it's not just engagement. It's actually recall. When you get asked questions after you watch the ad, it drives recall. But also when people are feeling valued, they want to be asked questions. So everything in the old world of ad model where it's a necessary evil, it's interruption, it's annoying, it interrupts our lives. When it's part of our lives, then and you're valuing me, then I want you in my life because you're adding value. And the outcomes are amazing. I mean, we did a campaign last week. It got 61% click-through rate. And any of the brands that are testing, so many of the brands, like 85% are then going, more than that actually, are going and switching to always on um, because we're getting higher Mm. conversion rates. And that's why we're so responsible because we want responsible consumption That's why we're so responsible and not taking the oil company money because they could run a two-minute asset and get two minutes of our attention about the good they're doing in the world and they're not. So it just works better. So when you say what's in it for brands, we've built a model that works better, sells more stuff but does it responsibly, but people remember the brands that love them. You know what, so it's been great to learn more about the app, more about what you're doing and and I think it's it's so affects your personality as well, your passion so clear to see about the app. So just to round off, I mean we'll stay on the topic of brands. Um I think it's quite interesting we see I think you mentioned before, you know, that kind of third wave of social in terms of platforms TikTok and Be Real are probably in there. Be Real have been quite vocal on keeping brands off their platform. Um, which I find it interesting. Mm. And I know you've worked with huge multinationals already, you know, Heineken, Nike, Nationwide. Heineken are the ones that told us about you. Yeah, they passed us through, yeah. So we've got some mates at Heineken there who love you. Thanks. They're on their fourth campaign now. Obviously doing something right with the brands, which is great. Um, So finally, just to sign off, what we usually do is is kind of look for an actionable piece of advice. But here I want to flip it and kind of give you the floor to let us know how well the platform's performing already. So do you have a case study that you can share on We Are Eight's use in in a full funnel advertising campaign from start to finish? I'm going to talk about Nike, actually, because they ran an asset that was a commitment to mental health. And just by the way, 
I love the intention of Be Real. What it proved for us was that people want to see their friends in the feed. I love that Mm. that got big because what we've built is even more beautiful. I mean, if you think about Facebook said uh, we're free and always will be, but we've actually paid a really high price uh, for them. And the cost is your your mental well-being. Right. And we're worth. I'm sorry, matter if you're listening. <laughs> we're worth about four hundred dollars each to to them. So the old world is that brands are the enemy. The new world is we have to buy stuff, even the basic food and things in life. So let's do it in a way where everyone plays a healthy role. And if we have healthy companies and we're valuing people at the core, then that's transformational. And so. So Nike, for example, they ran a beautiful asset about their commitment to mental health. Then they asked a question, how are you feeling today? Which, by the way, was amazing because no brand ever asks us how we're feeling. Second question was, did you know Nike were committed to mental health? 71% of people said, I do now. And then they said, what does strength mean to you? And they got 280,000 people respond with free text questions about what was happening, which was really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then um, we got amazing click-through rates to go and watch the the five-minute video on mental health. And then people got little money drops into their accounts and then they got celebrated. So as a brand experience and a human experience, it works in a really symbiotic, infinitely valuable way. We love to hear it. And yeah, as expected, we've covered so much today. Cal and I will cover even more, I dare say, uh, in the outro that we normally do. Uh, but I'll just take this moment, Sue, to say thank you uh, for coming and talking to us today. And to everyone listening at home, look out for We Are 8 when it launches fully. Yeah, thanks again. Thank you so much. I've loved speaking to both of you. Now, I told you Sue was an infectious personality. I mean, I can't help, but I just want something that whatever she's on, I'll have a bit of that, basically. (laughs) Yeah, as we said, it's a beautiful dream. There's a lot that they're going to need to hit before that dream's fulfilled. Um, It's interesting to hear like the steps they're already taking to make that happen, but Mm. we can't lie that. There's a lot on the agenda. One thing we didn't touch on that is uh, like demographics, user base, et cetera. Their main user base is age 25 to 34, which is the same as Facebook and Instagram, making that sort of their main competition demographics wise. Now, obviously, we know that TikTok's sort of the only platform to be able to take them on and win. I'm not sure if they're actually interested in competing in that way, uh, but if they are... Do you think how what they've got is strong enough to bring those users over? I, I think it's different. As long as the content on the platform's different, obviously, then it's a different proposition, right? So TikTok won because it was completely different to Facebook. It's not, yeah. like, you know, even though it won't be seen. <laughs> well, yeah, I know it's all homogenizing. I know everything's getting the same, but that's where this feels different. And as Sue talked about there, the feeling that social media gives you, right? I know. Social media is very addictive. I know when we open the app, we do get a little hit of dopamine. What's behind yeah, it? You know, when we slide down, what is it's it? made that way. Yeah. yeah, of course. And the red notifications, it sends alert to your brain. You're, you're anxious, etc. And I hope that we are right. And it sounds like they are doing. I've taken this into consideration. And I hope they do things completely different. You know, our notifications yellow instead of red. You know, little things like that. And it sounds it's like little things. But yeah. do you know what? Like Pinterest is great for that people people have high mood on pinterest they also have very high mood on snapchat i 
I like what they've done. I mean, do you know what? With the advertising thing as well, years ago, we spoke to Sam Jones, Generate Ads. It's a really similar model to that. We also spoke to uh, Amy from Goodloop. She's the CEO there. Really similar model again. I've been tracking their like sort of progress Mm. and they, they both had sort of public endorsements, you know, Sam, I think, had some celebrity investment. Yeah, really similar models. But you sort of, I've sort of watched them go through these pitfalls and struggle to get that sort of mass user base that the model relies on. You need users to engage with the adverts mm-hmm. to create money. You need that money to keep going. You need to be able to tell brands, we have this many people here, so there's a reason for you to be here. So what they've done with brands at the minute is mostly CSR stuff, right? Like yeah. that's, that's the attraction there. If they can, I, th- I think the marketing's key for it. The marketing has to be the key for it because there's no doubt that, especially in the times we're living with the cost of living crisis, with all the economic downfall, people will want a little bit of spare change in the pocket. And if I can pay for my phone bill by watching an advert instead of watching one of about 20,000 adverts that I probably watch on Instagram in a year... You know, if I'm getting a little bit of money back from them on We Are Eight, then, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a tempting it proposition. It's a beautiful dream, but it hasn't been working for Generate. I w- I'd like to see the market. And and I think Sue, I mean, they'll obviously notice that, but they're not, you know, they're not direct competitors, I don't think. And they're a similar similar model, I get, but I think really Sue's probably going after the real big hits. Yeah, I tell you what, the stats from the brand campaigns they've done so far are hugely inspiring. That's insane. Obviously the brands that are coming there, it's a CSR thing, like you're not going to be able to push product on this platform, I don't think. I don't think they want you to because that's the kind of system culture they're trying to step away from. Mm. But they said, so Nike's uh, asset that they shared, 280 written replies. That's not likes, yeah. that's not impression. Oh, sorry, 280,000, under, underselling it a bit there, not 280, 280,000 written replies. Imagine getting that many comments on a post that you put yeah. out that basically just says, "We did you know we care about your mental health? Clearly doing something right. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a lack of competition. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a fact. Every, everything on everything when social platforms start out seems easier, yeah, because there's there's not as many people there to, to kind of take your slice of the pie, so to speak. Uh, and we know when new features come out on other platforms, they get pushed and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Well, I'm interested about the the algorithm. She said there there is no algorithm. I mean, that, <laughs> that's got my attention. I mean, if they went out with that, we do not have an algorithm. Well, a lot of platforms started that way, didn't they? And as they got more users on it, they just became unsustainable because you'd be scrolling, you'd be scrolling yeah. for three hours to find everything posted in the last half hour. And but Sue touched on that. She recognised, you know, I think she used the word greed. You know, comes into this when you see the ad money coming, you go, oh, actually, I fancy a little bit of that. I'll have a little bit of that. But let's see, let's see where we we are. It goes. Yeah, I'm going to hold this back. She said two months come back, so it's going out at the time of recording. She said it's going to be launched next week with this new feed, etc. We're going to hop on, have a play around. In two months, I'm going to go back and tell her what I think. It'll be the new year. Honestly, I don't think I've wanted someone to do as well as (laughs) she's so positive. Oh, you're rooting for her, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm all in. We are right. Look, the proposition's different. I'm intrigued by it. And I hope that We Are It is a success and I hope that Sue, because Sue's personality as a whole and how positive, if that can rub off on 
5% of the population, then I think the world would be a better place. I can imagine she'll be fun to work with. Hey, if there are brands now listening who want to maybe, you know, trying to be a bit more eco-conscious, you've got some CSR things on your to-do list. Um, yeah, take a look because it seems yeah. like the real estate is ripe for that kind Doesn't of activity. Doesn't have to do brands as well with this friends feed. That sounds quite cool. Yeah. Um, just to see what your mates are up to in real time. Again, it might take some, you know, obviously mass adoption. It'll take some form of... Oh, yeah, when it's friends focus, you need sort of one person brings everyone from that group and but then like, you need to Be move Real by group. Yeah. Be Real did yeah. that for sure. I know that... Oh, it's not impossible. Yeah, I know that's kind of worked. So... Uh, yeah, go and check it out. This friends feed should be launched by the time this episode is out. It will or it be, might yeah. be. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. So go and check it out. Honestly, just get on with your rate and have a play around. If you don't like it, obviously, you know you, you don't have to use it. If you love it, then start taking advantage. Get a little bit of uh, money in your pocket as well while you're doing it. And uh, let's see what the new age of social media, as Sue called it, looks like. Mm-hmm.